2: John F. Kennedy, his father, Roscoe White, uh, was on the Dallas police force in the early 60s, and it was kind of a shocking story, and joining us right now is Ricky White on our Newsmaker Line, along with Robert Groden, with the author of a book called "The High Treason. He is also the House Select Committee's photography expert, and the world's foremost expert on that Zapruder film, the one we hear so much about, uh, that shows the uh, shooting of John F. Kennedy, a homemade movie, basically. And I welcome both of you to the program today. Thank you for being with us.
3: Again, Tom, good afternoon,
2: Now, Ricky, let's start off with you. Um, you say your father killed John F. Kennedy? That's correct. Uh, and tell us how you found out.
3: Well, it's taken several years. Um, I was told in 1978 by a real good close friend of my father's. And it took me by a real surprise and rejected it, walked away from it until... 82, uh, I found a diary, and then 85, I got the time to really uh, pay attention to be able to really read it. And in his diary stated where he was involved in the Kennedy assassination.
2: Now, you had been told prior to finding the diary that your father was involved in the Kennedy assassination, hadn't you?
3: Yes, that's correct.
2: What was your reaction at that time?
3: It was shocking. I mean, uh, it took me by surprise. I... Was working at Campbell Soup at the time, and it uh, it really took me by surprise. I, I really didn't believe it, and didn't give it any credibility because the man didn't show me any facts. He just told me a story, and uh, it really never added up two and two for the fact that the House Select Committee uh, investigated my family from by 1976 to 78. Uh, it really none of that really ever added up until I had gotten older and had realized that all this was connected to my father.
2: Let's talk a little bit about the diary itself. Uh, what was in there?
3: What was in there was the actual uh, assassination plot, how many men were involved, and where they were, and how they got in the building.
2: How did your father come to be the one who who shot Kennedy?
3: Well, he was chosen for the fact that he was involved in an assassination group in the Philippines from 1960 to 1962 and had came to Texas for a foreign affair assignment, at which we we really don't know what that really uh, comes into detail. But uh, uh, at that time, and somewhere in '63, he gets his first orders to uh, eliminate a national security threat.
2: Now, um, could you explain to us how he got into position to shoot John F. Kennedy and how it was done, according to the diary? Uh,
3: he was... code name was Mandrian. Uh, he was standing behind the stockade fence. Uh,
2: he was on the Dallas police force at the time. That's correct. Now, how did that happen?
3: Well, evidently, that's where they wanted him planted at, was in the Dallas police department because in one of the orders it's told him to be within the department, which would be the Dallas Police Department, where he would have excess records and stuff to be able to know and maintain uh, Kennedy's visit.
2: I see. Okay, so he was stationed behind a fence.
3: That's correct, Stock A fence, which came later to be the Grassy Knoll area.
2: And um, how did he pull this off without being seen?
3: Well, it didn't state in the diary. That would have to be something that Robert Grodin would have to give corroboration to, because in detail I don't know, but I know that there was another gentleman standing beside him, and uh, they uh, fulfilled the part of the assassinating the
2: president. Robert Groden, uh, how do you think this all took place?
3: Well,
4: according to the photographic eyewitness and acoustics evidence, we've been able to piece together the actual shooting and it is remarkably close as a matter of fact it's a virtual carbon copy of what was in the diary uh apparently rock we didn't know who it was we knew that someone was firing from the front and we can assume from the diary that indeed it was rock light uh fired from the front hit the president first in the throat and then fired the fatal headshot.
2: Uh, another question that, of course, has come to mind, and it's been on the minds of many people, uh, uh, Ricky, is, is where is the diary now? What happened to it?
3: Well, in May of 88, uh, the FBI was contacted by a gentleman named Al Shorey, which was the district attorney here in Midland, Texas. I had gone to him on the fact of trying to get into a safety deposit box at Woodwood State Bank, which is Continental Bank now, and get the proceeds to be able to um, get into the safety deposit box. Because when I had contacted them, they said that I needed a probated will and a uh, uh, proof of death to get into the box. So I went to Al Shorty for this help. And through his involvement with me in about two and a half months, had gotten pretty spooked and had called the FBI in. And at that time, they came to my house to obtain the safety deposit box that I had spoken to Al Shorey about. And uh, not knowing that they were coming, I'd have the diary and all the other material laid on a pool table inside my house where I was researching this on my own time. And uh, so when I had gotten to work, they had called, Al Shory had called, and so did the FBI, and told me that I needed to come home. And I had went home to where I would met with them and uh, had compensation out in the front over the fact that I didn't think that they had the right to come into my house. And uh, Mr. Butler, one of the FBI agents, had read in a federal book to where if I didn't, and with, with, with holding any evidence in a national case like this, I could spend 10 years and $100,000 fine. And uh, I had gone in and called my attorney, which he had represented and told me that he thought that I ought to let him in. So I let him in, and we went in there and they asked me if I had a box, and I did. And we took all this material that had loaded up into the box and had taken it out to my car. And then I had no earthly idea at that time, but there was a federal office here in Midland, Texas. I didn't know that they were here, and they said that, you know, at that time, that when I had answered them where we were going, they said, the Midland office. And after five hours of explaining them the same story I'm telling now, and rejecting me, and calling the hopes, and pretty well beating me, and brow beating me, and, and uh, very upset me very much. And I was in there in the room when I had loaded all this stuff up. And there were two tables in there. One table where they were sitting down and writing my conversation down, and one desk table is where we were sitting. Where there was a speakerphone, and one of the no, there was a man on that speakerphone that which was answering me questions too, which was a senator probably from. He had mentioned something about Pennsylvania, and uh, at that time I loaded all this material up into this box after they had gotten finished with me and had followed me downstairs and put it in the car. And I remember loading everything up in the box, the diary, everything. And they had made copies of everything of the material that was on the desk besides the diary. And uh, they had loaded it up, and uh, I had gone home. And I'd taken the box out and had put it in there in the pool table and had went in my bedroom to where I Laid down on the bed and started crying because I didn't know where I was going to go with this story now because I didn't think anybody would believe me.
2: Why didn't you make a copy of the diary?
3: There was an attorney had showed up to my house the day before the FBI had showed up. I didn't have any earthly idea what I'd had in my hands. I I was trying to find every way in the world to reject it. So I had an outsider, a man that I had never met in my life, had came in my house and had spent three hours in my house and an attorney from Lubbock, Texas. He has come forward now. I didn't want to bring anybody into this that didn't want the attention. And he stated that everything that was in the pool table of the story that I'm telling now is the same story I told him and had showed to him, and when he left, the first thing he said is, you need to make copies of that diary because somebody's going to come and get it. I had no chance to make any copies of that diary after getting his opinion. Uh, he had stated that what you have is something very, very important. And he had left that night, and the next morning the FBI had showed up. And Al Shorey told me at that time that it was not him. In my mind, it was that attorney from Lubbock that had turned me in after
2: what he had saw. Ricky, hang on. We're going to continue with Ricky White and Robert Groden. We'll continue with your telephone calls as well. Stay tuned. 3.55, 5 now, before 4 o'clock. Tom Likas over KFI AM 640 talking with Ricky White and Robert Groden. Uh, Ricky says his father, Roscoe White, killed John F. Kennedy that it was not Lee Harvey Oswald. We'll talk a bit about Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby coming up. And we'll take your telephone calls at 5201-KFI in LA in the Valley. So toll free at 1-800-553-4640. Also coming up, the lowest gasoline prices in LA, Orange, San Bernardino or Riverside counties. Hopefully all the gas stations and convenience stores have called in and checked in and we've verified all the information. And at 420 we'll be giving it to you this afternoon as you head home or as you head away for the weekend you will need a tank of gas. Please patronize The stations with the lowest prices. Stay tuned. I'm Tom Likas. It's 4 o'clock at KFI Los Angeles more stimulating talk radio. 408, thank you for tuning in to KFI AM 640 I'm Tom Likas. Talking about the issues Monday through Friday from 3 to 7. That's our new time, 3 to 7 in the afternoon as you head home. Still to come at 4.20, the lowest-priced gasoline in town. L.A., Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino counties. And between 5 and 7, wide-open bones where anything can happen on Friday afternoon, and usually does. Any issue we've talked about this week, and you haven't gotten a chance to get in on it, or anything you think we've left out of the mix. Or if you just want to take your best shot, go ahead and take your chances between 5 and 7, because I'm going to shoot back, pal. All right, that's coming up between 5 and 7. We used to between 4 and 6, but uh, we've moved it up along with everything else here on KFI AM 640. Well, thank you for tuning in again this afternoon. Uh, joining us uh, today in our first and uh, only guest segment today, uh, Ricky White and Robert Groden. Ricky is the man who said, and you heard in the news all last week, that his father was the one who shot JFK. Robert Groden is the author of a book called High Treason and is the photography expert of the House Select Committee, uh, considered to be the world's foremost expert, on the well-known Zapruder film, a home movie of the shooting of John F. Kennedy, and our telephone number, LA in the valleys, five two zero one KFI. That's five two zero one KFI from the two one three or the eight one eight area codes, or toll free from Orange County or the Inland Empire, one eight hundred five five three four six forty. If you're in the seven one four area code, six one nine or eight zero five, call one eight hundred five five three four six forty. We'll pay for your telephone call, and we'll put you on the air. We continue with Robert Groden and Ricky White. And uh, what happened to Lee Harvey Oswald in all this? If Lee Harvey Oswald did not shoot Kennedy, who was Lee Harvey Oswald? That's for either of you.
4: Well, um, Lee Harvey Oswald, we always knew. He could always prove scientifically, never fired a shot. Uh, we had never, although, considered that he may be totally innocent. We, we didn't know. There's no way to prove it one way or the other. But according to the diary left by Roscoe White, Ricky's father, Oswald did play some role in the assassination, in all probability limited to creating uh, a sniper's nest on the uh, sixth floor and perhaps allowing the, uh, uh, the sniper to get into the building. Uh, we, don't, we never knew for sure whether there was any involvement, because the proof of Oswald's innocence, as far as the shooter goes, was that the uh, Dallas Police Department gave him a paraffin test the afternoon of the assassination, There were uh, no traces at all of gunpowder on his cheeks or his hands and no nitrates on his cheeks at all. Uh, This indicates he never fired a shot. In addition to this, his statements made to the press, no, sir, I did not shoot anybody, have been applied to psychological stress evaluator tests and voice stress analyzers. These are, in effect, uh, lie detector tests for recorded statements. Every time these tests have been given, no matter who gave them uh, to these tapes, It shows that he was telling the truth. He hadn't shot anyone. In addition to this, he had no known motive. He was seen moments before the shooting on the second floor in the lunchroom and 72 seconds after the shooting in the lunchroom, and he hadn't moved. He was not out of breath. To get from the sixth floor to the second floor, he would have had to have gone down a specific flight of stairs. That flight of stairs had a woman walking down those stairs named Victoria Adams. Nobody passed her. All of the evidence is that Oswald never fired a shot. But according to the diary, he was involved in the conspiracy.
2: What about Jack Ruby? Why would Jack Ruby want to shoot Lee Harvey Oswald?
4: Jack Ruby had been involved in organized crime since the 1920s. Uh, It appears as if some superiors in the plot had ordered him to to silence Oswald. It appears that he did not want to do this. The night before he shot Oswald, he called the Dallas Police Department. Uh, An officer by the name of Billy Grammer was manning the phones overnight. Uh, Ruby told him if you move Oswald the way you're planning, and I quote, we will kill him, end quote. If indeed Ruby had wanted to do this, he would not have warned the police department. He would have wanted the element of surprise. Although uh, we have found out now through, through uh, Roscoe White's diary that Ruby had played a greater part in this conspiracy than we ever thought possible. And Indeed, he was one of the planners uh, and was probably involved in the shooting to some degree. Uh, we do not uh, know the full limits of it. We, we now know that there was a greater involvement in just silencing Oswald. All
2: right, we're going to go to the telephones now. All the phones are lit, and let us start with Donna, a first-time caller from Los Angeles at 413 on KFI. Hello.
5: Goodie, uh, good morning, or whatever it is. Yes. Uh, I just want to say this story smells like three-day-old fish. And I will say that uh, you exposed yourself, Ricky, when you refused to debate uh, David Liston because he, not Grodin, is the only person who really has spoken the truth about what this uh, what happened there.
4: Well, let me, let me uh, wait a, a second. Ricky, a Ricky did not read. Not only did he
5: write Best Evidence, but he also has a second book about Lee Harvey Oswald. There's no mention of your father, who uh, apparently you're trying to say that he was in the Marines with Oswald and that he was hired two months before uh, the assassination by the Dallas PD. Your story has so many holes in it. I don't believe it. It might as well have a postmark that says Langley, Virginia on it. And as far as Grodin goes, you're ridiculous.
4: Um, I'd like to respond to that. Obviously, David has some friends out there. But uh, Ricky White is telling a story that is relating exactly what his father wrote in the diary. Which Ricky, is there Ricky was three years old when, when, uh, when his father
3: died.
5: I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Ricky. What is it with you? Are you trying to get into acting
3: I was an oilfield salesman here in Midland, Texas. I really do apologize that you're trying to cut me down as a person before you actually know who I am. I wouldn't do that to you. Well,
5: either you're you being manipulated, manipulated by people a do. lot smarter than you, yeah, then, or else you are uh, you are
3: yourself guilty of some malfeasance. No, ma'am, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm an average person just like yourself. I came forward to tell a true story. How come
5: you didn't didn't
3: want to talk to David Lifton? Ma'am?
5: Why are you refusing to talk to him?
3: I have not refused to talk to David Lifton.
4: David Lifton, by the way, in case you're interested, caller, uh, was called by a radio station when the story was first released uh, without having any knowledge of the case whatsoever or what the evidence was. He said, ah, there's nothing to it. And he was asked, well, you know, what is it that you don't believe? He said, and I don't believe any of it and he was asked, well, have you heard it? He, he wasn't even aware what the evidence was. He's How come met he's Ricky? not on the show today? How come you're there? And uh, he... uh, listen, David Lifton was in the same room as Ricky last week and elected not to even talk to him.
2: Well, David Lifton's office contacted us about appearing on this program, and uh, we said yes, he could, and my producer, Greg Cockrell, informed uh, Ricky. Was that correct? Uh, you were informed about this and uh, declined to appear with David Lifton. Is that correct?
4: No, I think that David Lifton should know what the evidence is before he discusses
2: it. Why? Right, so you did refuse to appear for well, that reason?
4: I know David. David and I have been working on the same type of evidence in the, uh, as far as the autopsy evidence goes in this case for the last 17 years. Well,
2: is it Ricky or you, Robert Groden, who refused to appear with David? Neither of
4: us refused. So you would David, appear
2: with David Lifton.
4: David. David does not know the story. David How does not convenient. know the evidence. How convenient.
5: I will say that since the assassination, there have been people like Groden. David Belen, others who have had a lifelong career uh, devoted only to propagating mythology about this very serious uh, uh, event in American history, and I think it's disgusting. And you, Ricky, if you don't know better, uh, get out of it now, because any reputation you might have as a human being will certainly be tarnished by your association with these apologists.
4: Well, I've got to tell you something. You know, this is obviously a propaganda type of call. You know, there's, we're, what we were saying is, here is some information. You don't even know what the information is, and you're knocking it down. I don't expect anybody to accept Ricky's story without examining it, but how dare you reject it without knowing what the evidence is.
2: Donna, I, I thank you for the call, and we will continue our conversation with us, uh, Ricky White and Robert Groden, and your calls, 417. Ricky White and Robert Groden are with us. It is Ricky who made news when he said that his father, Roscoe White, is the man, not Lee Harvey Oswald, but his father, Roscoe White, uh, killed John F. Kennedy. Uh, let us continue here with David, a first-time caller from Studio City on KFI. Hello.
3: Yeah, Hi. I uh, like the show a lot. Thank you. Uh, I have questions for each of your guests. Uh, I'll just uh, ask the questions and then get off the radio. Uh, for Robert Groton, uh, yes, two questions. Uh, if, if it were true that the CIA or
4: the intelligence agencies had something to do uh, with the assassination, why did they see Kennedy uh, as a security threat? And when, I'm curious about that. And secondly, uh, there's uh, been some people who have suggested... Uh, that I think it was a Magruder film. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, there was a Japanese uh, film uh, that I saw that uh, they were indicating that the driver uh, shot the president. Have you ever heard anything like that? Yes, I'd like to address both of those. Um, the uh, the first one, the, the Well, let me. I'll answer the second question first. There is a, a, a character out there uh, who lives around uh, Los Angeles,
0: but
4: of uh, Bill Cooper, who took a uh, copy of the Zebruder film, and uh, it's a very, very poor quality copy. There's, no, there's very little color in it. There's no uh, gray scale in the middle. The contrast has been increased so that all you can see basically is blacks and whites. Uh, as the car travels down Elm Street, the sun is reflecting off of, of many shiny parts of the car and, and images within the car. And... Uh, just at the moment of the headshot and for the frames before it. The sun is reflecting off the head of the Secret Service guard, the one next to the driver, Bill Greer. The guard's name is Roy Kellerman. Uh, as the sun reflects off his forehead and the top of his head, it has an almost right-angle type of, uh, of shape and appears to be, if you use your imagination, look a lot like a, uh, like a gun. In fact, it is not. Uh, this, this fellow Cooper is saying that it is. But you can look at any of the early issues of Life magazine, specifically the memorial edition, and you can very plainly see the skin tone of the face and the the features of uh, of Roy Kellerman and Bill Greer. Uh, In in addition to this, in the original Zapruder film, the clear copies that I have, you can see that uh, Greer's hands never leave the steering wheel. Uh, There are a lot of questions about what Bill Greer was doing. For instance, he testified to the Warren Commission he turned around only once and, uh, in fact, the film shows he turned around twice and was looking directly at the president uh, with the car slowing down at the time of the headshot. He then turns forward and ducks the shot he claims he didn't know had been fired and then begins to speed away. There were some very real questions to ask Bill Greer, but he, and the, it, as to his actions, perhaps his slow reaction time was a contributing factor or a major factor in the death of the president. This did in the uh, 1960s, the the real power behind the government. Uh, They wanted to uh, show might. They wanted to work uh, toward what they considered peace through military means. The bombs and bullets were their ways. The president was trying through negotiation. They felt he was too soft on communism and that he was uh, throwing the country down the tubes. They felt that he was a threat to uh, their agenda. Therefore, it is conceivable that the wording... Within the, uh, in the documents, and by the way, three of the, uh, of the um, tables that are the orders uh, to kill the president uh, as, uh, as left behind by Roscoe White, one of the three, the first of the three that survives, says foreign affairs assignments have been canceled. The next assignment is to eliminate a national security threat to worldwide peace. This is consistent with the attitude of the hawks uh, within the Central Intelligence Agency as, uh, as discovered by Senator Frank Church. Uh, during the Senate Intelligence Committee hearings in the
2: 1970s. All right, thank you for the call, David. Here is Mike in Los Angeles on KFI 427. Hello.
6: Yes, good afternoon, Tom. Hi. Uh, two, two questions, uh, a couple for Ricky and a couple for Mr. Grodin. Uh Ricky, isn't it true that before you went public uh, with this that you have attempted to sell the story to anybody with a checkbook big enough to satisfy you? No, that's incorrect. Are you then saying that the Los Angeles Times was erroneous when they reported the story that you had admitted in a press conference to attempt to sell a book and or a movie and
4: or both? Uh, let me interrupt, if I may. The uh, kind of question difficult is not you must have the questions for Mr. White. Thank you. No, it is. But the thing is, I was at the press conference where the question that was asked of Ricky was, what would he like to see happen? And he said he would like to see a movie or a book. And this is honest. He, he's not trying to deceive anybody. But the purpose of it was to tell his father's story. His father left this evidence behind in order to have it seen. And uh, Ricky's sole purpose in that was to do that. If, there's, if there eventually is some kind of a, uh, uh, a deal that would make him some money, so be it. Uh, I I wouldn't begrudge him that, but that was not his primary purpose, and and the press has totally distorted that. If there was any guile or any attempt to deceive here, he never would have said that.
6: Tom, do the earphones that don't work today, are they on your other guests? Maybe I should ask Ricky his questions, and then he can respond then.
3: (laughs) Ricky, would you like to respond to that? That's correct. I never have. Issued the fact that nobody even has made any deals on a book or even a movie. Alright, so then now we're at the point of defending the story. Every, every critic in the world is trying to critic Rick and I just came forward with material that I think that even you, if you had it in your possession, would come forward
6: and tell. All right, let that's all I'm doing. Let's then, let's then let, let, the, let Tom show make some history today. Would you like to confirm or deny? Are you currently on any production company and or news outlet payroll for
3: this story? That's incorrect. Have I'm, you been I'm I'm paid test- right now by a monster corporation that funded the investigation for me to? To work on this on a full time basis, and and what what corporation, sir?
6: Matsu Corporation, and they and they have funded this.
3: That is correct.
6: So you are being paid by them then for this story? That's incorrect. You are receiving no personal monetary remuneration for this story. All I am getting
3: paid is through Matsu Corporation. I am not getting paid through any outsource. Nobody's came forward. So I then gave an Interviews. I've given uh, reports to other magazines on a free basis. I'm a so then, then
6: you have succeeded in selling your story to the Monster Corporation. Would you mind telling the listeners how much they're paying you for
3: it? Uh, at, at this time, they probably have about $100,000 in it to the fact it took that to be able to, for me to go and contact these people that, that evidently your, mag- uh, your newspaper there in your town, you need to contact them and let them know that we gave out a packet, And it gives all the names and people that you're unaware of that's involved in this. You, you so have what been... you're doing is you're calling and you're picking on Ricky White. Well, And I, and I have to tell you right now, I came forward with evidence, cooperation, and proof. And, and, and any more than that...
6: Did you come forward with this as a good American looking to expose the murder of the president or as a profiteer looking to cash in on what has obviously become a growth industry in this country.
3: Hey, i tell you right now, sir, we have not made one dime off this story at all. You just said point. a minute ago that you've made $100,000 off
4: the story. That's, you know, you're putting words in his 000 mouth. 000 that is, is not what he, he said. He said that Matsu spent has spent that much.
6: They have spent $100,000? That's they How much of that $100,000 has gone to you, sir, and to Mr. Groden too, since he
4: wants to to chime in on this? I have not gotten a penny, and I am not going to get a penny. I don't want any money for Ricky's story. Ricky is doing this because he wants to get his story out. Who's paying you to make a call like this?
6: I'm making the call myself because I have heard of some of this material, and frankly, some of the people who have brought this material forward are about as flaky as Mr.
4: Cooper, who you talk about, sir. Well, Mr. Cooper certainly is flaky, and there are a lot of flakes out there, but Ricky is trying to tell his story. And the only way he could do this is to get some backing because it's not easy to try to investigate something like this. Ricky has not been paid $100,000. It has cost that much to do the investigation so far. And if you would just have a slightly open mind, you might want to see the evidence before you shoot your mouth off.
2: Mike, thank you for the call. We will continue 431 now at KFI AM 640. We are continuing with Ricky White, son of Roscoe White, the man who Ricky says killed John F. Kennedy. Robert Groden is author of a book called High Treason, and we're talking about who really shot John F. Kennedy, which is something that America has been thinking about and talking about for 27 years. And, uh, well, it appears uh, that uh, David Lifted is calling in here. We don't have any more lines to call out, so he must have called in. Uh, David, thank you for calling. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I'm going to leave you with our guests here.
7: Well, I I just wanted to make one statement to begin with. that um, uh, This morning, uh, yesterday I was told by my publicist at Rhino, because I have this videotape, that I would be on the show. And this morning I was told by the producer, Craig, that Larry Howard of the Assassination Information Center... Uh, called in or they heard that I was going to be on and said that Ricky White will not appear if I'm on the show. So that's very clear. And I'm, I asked your producer just now if I could quote him and he said, absolutely. So there's no question that a situation was set up that I was not allowed to see an in-guest studio on this station in my own hometown of Los Angeles if Ricky White would be on the show. And that's just a fact. And that happened. And your poem producer uh, said I can quote him. So that's a fact. The second thing is about meeting Ricky White. I was in Dallas last eight days um, doing a very extensive documentary film on the Kennedy assassination. And I mean, this is really very important stuff that will be around for years to come in, in, in schools and classrooms. And we have hours of uh, Marina Oswald. We have some that retired Dallas police, uh, high ranking officers. We've even got some FBI officials on our documentary. And believe me, I don't believe in the Warren Report, and yet we managed to get all these people uh, interviewed. And I met Ricky White, I mean, maybe for five seconds. I was running up to the Assassination Information Center where we wanted to borrow their Bruder uh, camera. And uh, we had gotten the camera or something, and I saw Grodin there uh, near the counter, and I shook his hand. And then the next thing I know, he was walking out with this fellow, and I think somebody said, That's Ricky White, and I said, Hi. And that's the extent of the contact. So for Grodin, I'm told to misrepresent this little contact as if I refused to be in the same room. It's just absolute uh, fantasy. It's nonsense. That never happened. Uh, We were very busy down there. Every minute counted. We had a film crew, and uh, certainly I'm not trying to avoid Ricky White. Now, about me not knowing the evidence, I want to say a few things about that. First of all, um, I have the Austin American articles in front of me, and I've studied them. And In fact, I've spent a number of hours on the phone with the reporter who wrote them, Earl Gold, to get into the question point by point about what's going on here. And I think the readers or the listeners to the show would probably wonder what's going on here because most of us, according to the polls, don't believe the Warren Report. And I'd like to give you my take on this. My take on this is as follows. We have here in America an unsolved crime, and, and that crime is the assassination of, of, of John F. Kennedy, and there's a lot of evidence that indicates that shots came from the front. And, in fact, my book, Best Evidence, gives a logical reason why there can be shots from the front, and yet they don't show up in the autopsy report, which is that the body was altered. So we have a very serious crime here. And this situation really has developed where it's like a cutout thing at a carnival where you can stick your head in the cutout hole and get photographed, and the cutout is located on the grassy knoll. And one person after another over the years comes forward and kind of claims credit for shooting President Kennedy. And now the latest version here is is the one coming from this group in Dallas, uh, which are sort of sponsoring Ricky White. And by the way, I want to divert at this point and say that before the press conference, they were out here and met with Oliver Stone. Now, there's nothing wrong with meeting with Oliver Stone, but if Woodward and Bernstein were doing their work, they certainly wouldn't be meeting with uh, Alan Fakula in the movie industry before they published in the Washington Post. And so that's a pretty peculiar sequence. But these guys were out here, and that means Ricky White was out here, and that means Larry Howard was out here with their wives, and there's pictures of them with Oliver Stone. So this statement that they, you know, they'd be like to get a book, but that's just serendipity if it occurs, is nonsense. In fact, it started with... Hey, can I uh, say one thing, just a second?
3: Yeah. I think you're an embarrassment to the JFJ Research Center because you're not giving me a chance. Well, I'm going to
7: give you a chance. What you're trying to do
3: is promote what you're trying to do to downplay me.
7: I'm not my so expert. I believe that Ricky, that's not
3: going to work. Ricky, what one The one fact is, is that I want to stand tell the truth. Ricky, you can do whatever you want to do. Ricky, I have every. you have no right. I'm not an expert in the Kennedy assassination. Ricky, I, nor I want to be. If it's but I'm conflicting you. I'll go head is. to head with you huh? all the way. I am not going to step down at all. I'm Ricky, make sure that what my material and my evidence get shown all over the world. Well, that's right, Ricky. No, However it evidence. does. Ricky, right Didn't you right say right, the were out here coming in Dallas, Texas, isn't that promoting whatever
7: you're trying to do? Isn't it not? Ricky, where's the diary? Why do we have a story about a diary? And why does Grosin keep saying the diary says hey, in the I'm diary? waiting. We have seven guy.
3: witnesses
7: state that that diary does exist. Incredible have oh, no, seen in the diary. Hey, huh? okay, this is hearsay about an unavailable document. Now, if that diary That's is in the i
3: look at Our it. I'm taking a photograph test on the diary. Huh? I'm taking a voice analysis on the diary.
7: I'm taking it all. Ricky, where what? are the pages of the diary? Right now, we have hearsay about an unavailable document. We have hearsay of your conversation here? about
3: what the evidence that you're trying to prove in Dallas, Texas. I believe that we did all we could to help you perform what you did in Dallas, Texas, and then somebody like that will come into your your uh, place of work, help a man perform what he's doing in Dallas, Texas, fly back to Los Angeles, throw his hands up in the air, and state that what I'm saying has no truth to it. I didn't say you that. Have he he no it <laughs> what have not, man? I didn't say is it. In my world. I your problem know. is you're to run me down, nope. And I'm not running you down, Ricky. And if I didn't have time it. to visit with you in Dallas, Texas. It's because I have all these other people that are trying to come at me to down me on the fact of what I came forward with. Ricky, Everybody problem... would just give me
7: the chance and the opportunity. Ricky, not to run me you, down. You got a problem with it. It's Tim not his Roden fault, David, problem, he doesn't have a diary. It's in the diary, but it's hearsay.
4: David, you are blaming him for the loss of the diary. The diary was taken from him by the FBI. No,
7: Rob, I'm not blaming him for the loss of the diary, though I do fault him for not copying it. I mean, it's going to the so... I had an attorney exactly out here, David of Ford, do. the FBI came in, and he stated,
3: Ricky, you need to make copies of this. I left that diary on that pool table and was going to make copies. Before I could, the FBI was already at my house.
7: Now, what am I going to do? Well, one of the things you do is, well, I think one of the problems is, that, well, maybe you should have some legal action with the FBI to get them to make you a Xerox of the diary.
3: They did not
7: Xerox the diary when I was in their office. Ricky, they, they claim there's no such diary. They claim these these charges are not credible. So you're in a situation where you can't even prove that a diary ever existed. It's your I word. I came forward and said any of that information is true, that there wasn't any
3: diary. Have they stated that they did not come to my house, that no. I did not go no, to the office? they
7: did Tom Ferris state that he did not come back to my house? Nobody's saying that at all. The question is whether this diary exists.
4: The the question David, when is, they came to that? his house, they took the diary. They had it earlier that day. If they'd have wanted it through official channels, they could have asked him for it then and given him a receipt. Instead, they came back after the fact and took it at that time without leaving a receipt for it. And without Ricky even being present in the room when they took it.
2: I have to jump in here for a second. We will continue. 445, now it's a quarter to five. Uh, with please. us on our newsmaker lines, we have Ricky White, who says his father killed JFK. Robert Groden, author of a book called High Treason. Uh, They are both in Dallas, Texas, and who's calling in is David Lifton, whose book is called Best Evidence, and uh, uh, he has been uh, challenging some of the uh, claims made on the air today. Originally, uh, David Lifton was scheduled to be a guest here, and uh, we were asked to cancel uh, his appearance today. Uh, I'm going to throw out a statement to all of you, and um, it's not meant personally against anybody. It just seems that uh, whether it be at one end of the spectrum, you've got Bill Cooper, and at the other end of the spectrum, you've got... uh, Oh, I don't know who. I think that would be controversial even to say at this point. We know that Bill Cooper is certainly at one end of the spectrum. Uh, It seems to me that even 27 years after the death of John F. Kennedy, uh, that talking about his assassination is doing a land office business. And I must say, as an outsider who was only seven years old when Kennedy was shot, I find this almost, if it weren't so sad, almost humorous to hear everybody arguing uh, about uh, who killed John F. Kennedy. Uh, It seems to me that everybody's got a vested interest in their theory and uh, they're going to continue to argue it in public. Does anybody disagree with that? Well, uh,
4: may, I, may I answer first? Uh, no, no, anybody can any jump answers, in. Go right ahead. But the, this is Robert Groden, uh, and you know, The assassination of President Kennedy is probably the greatest tragedy in this nation's history, and I can't think of anything that, that is more important than trying to solve the crime. It may at this point be unsolvable. But when someone comes forward with some new evidence, uh, I don't think it should be rejected out of hand. It needs to be looked at and not arbitrarily uh, rejected.
7: i I like to jump in and say that I agree with with everything Robert just said. And therefore, if we want to consider what Ricky White has said as a hypothesis, then fine. We should go out and we should try to get more information. But what I find objectionable is to present White's account of his father's diary as the solution to the Kennedy assassination. That's improper. That lacks depth. And when you say things like, well, the diary says this, and of course the Zapruder film shows that, that's really tricky logic, because the fact is that issue is whether this diary exists and what it says. And, Robert, you've never seen a diary, and nobody has seen a diary. And if there are pages in the FBI field office in Dallas, then we really ought to have those pages made public. And I would like to that's exactly, exactly what, what we're trying to
4: do. And then but, we'll the point, but the point of the matter is that the, that the press conference that was held here last Monday... Uh, the first thing that was said was this is not a solution to the Kennedy case. Even if everything that Ricky is saying is true, it is not the solution. Well, you're talking... It is not being represented as a solution. David, let me finish. David, let me finish, please. He is not saying that this is fact. He is relating what was left in the diary for him to find. This is what is there. There is... If you're basing your... If anyone is basing what they know about this case, on that, on the uh, Austin American sta- uh, uh, the, the uh, newspaper article, then they know about 40% of the available evidence. There well, is a Robert, great deal more.
7: I mean, it's very interesting here because I mean, I get the impression that you're presently trotting around from talk show to talk show as a uh, Ricky White's agent handler. But not not at
4: all. Not at about. all. I was asked to be now, on this I show and I agreed to, on to the do
7: phone it. I with the reporter who wrote the story. I went over the story paragraph by paragraph. So I'd like to know what the other 60% is. In fact, I'd like to see the diary. I mean, without the diary, what are they doing out here talking to Oliver Stone? I mean, why are we dealing with someone trying to market a story in this city? And everybody in the city is writing a screenplay, and we all know that. This is a city that runs partially on that. Or are we dealing with evidence?
4: The, whether, whether there will or will not be a movie, whether anybody does it or not, is not the issue. The issue is to try to follow this evidence to its fruition. And and attacking Ricky White, who is simply trying to tell the story, is not the way to find the answer. We all want to find the diary.
7: But telling me that I refused to meet with Ricky White when all I did was, I mean, shoot a hello on my way in and out of a building. I
4: didn't say you refused to meet him. I said you were in the same room with him and and paid no attention to that fact.
7: I didn't even know who he was when whizzing by. You were walking by with him, Robert, and I, I said hello. I mean, is that a crime? But anyway, I think what's more interesting, really, And I just want to say what one of the people who's a real scholar in this movement has said about what's going on with this whole Ricky White affair, and he's a friend of mine from the South, and he said, you can only yell wolf so many times, and you guys have just wasted a wolf. And that's basically how I feel about this whole account, until we can produce some credible evidence of what this diary says and root ourselves in a foundation of written words that we can all examine on an equal basis and not have this nonsense where you are relating hearsay about what Ricky remembers the diary said before it was allegedly taken and locked up by the FBI.
4: Well, again, you know, we could argue about this from now until the end of time. The point of the matter is that until the FBI releases the document, and by the way, one thing that I find very interesting is that uh, everyone keeps saying we don't have the diary. Well, again, it's not Ricky's fault. But the FBI says that there's nothing to it, and they looked at this evidence in 1988 at the time it disappeared. Yet now they deny that they ever had it.
2: Ricky White, I'm going to give you the last word today. Go
3: ahead. Yes, but the fact is that if Robert Gross will tell you, even without the diary, Robert, am I correct, what do you think about the corroboration to this story, the fact of the people that you've been able to meet to corroborate the story?
4: I have, I, have been, I have met with witnesses. We have found witnesses, people that Ricky hasn't seen in decades, and every one of them corroborates every fact that we've been able to find so far. There is not a single inconsistent thing in Ricky's story. I cannot back the story because I, de- I never saw the diary, but I'm saying that there is nothing inconsistent with it, and he deserves the chance to find out. I have met with Ricky, I have been with him now for nearly a month, and there is not a dishonest bone in his body.
2: All right, I thank all of you for being with us today, uh, Ricky White and Robert Groden, and thank you David Lifted for calling in, uh, scheduled to be a guest. And we had to ask him to stay home today, but he ended up on the program anyway.
1: Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in.